This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, May 8th. I'm Gavin McGough. And I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, property values spike in latest assessment. MedCenter rolls back primary care hours. Legislative session wraps up. And a mountain weather forecast. But first... San Miguel County Search and Rescue responded to an incident on Wilson Peak over the weekend. According to the San Miguel County Sheriff's Office, a 32-year-old Colorado Springs man was injured after a 2,000-foot fall while skiing the north face of the peak. Search and Rescue used a helicopter to access the man, packaged him, and flew him to the Telluride Airport, where he was transported by care flight to St. Mary's Hospital in Grand Junction. The sheriff's office says the man suffered traumatic injuries but was conscious and alert. Sometimes old news is new again. That's the case with property values in San Miguel County. We've all heard the story of the pandemic real estate boom when the fallout of COVID-19 sent prices soaring in Telluride and other outdoor resort areas across the country. Now, some years later, those price spikes are being reflected in property value assessments for the first time. The last revaluation cycle, the cutoff for when we were looking at sales would have ended June 30th of 2020. And so if you think about what was going on in the world, you know, I mean, everything was at a dead standstill in mid-2020. And about that time was probably when things started picking back up. And that was when we saw things kind of blow up in Telluride. That's Sarah Enders, assessor for the San Miguel County. Property values are updated every other year in Colorado. And this month, homeowners received their 2023 valuations. Enders says the data for the most recent evaluations come from the thick of the real estate boom. We are looking at sales of properties or sale values that happened between January 1st of 2021 and June 30th of 2022. Um, So during that time, obviously, we've seen a huge increase in property values as far as what properties are selling for. On the whole, the county saw a total value increase of 46%. That increase was not evenly distributed, Enders notes. It was definitely more heavily weighted on the east end of the county. The median uh, percent change for residential in the town of Telluride was 75%. Town of Norwood, the median percent change for residential property was about 27%. And then out in Egner, it was about 7.5%. So you can see, you know, the more, the further east in the county we are, the more desirable those residential properties were. And therefore, we saw a huge increase in values there. Valuations were mailed out at the beginning of May. Now, as many in Telluride open those documents, they're experiencing some sticker shock, as over half of residents in town are seeing their property values rise by 75% or more. And with that comes an estimated increase in taxes. Enders adds, however, property value is only one piece in determining someone's tax burden. The final tax number that you're going to pay, that's based on your property value, but it's a three-part formula. So the first part is the, the actual value of your property. That gets multiplied by an assessment rate. So in Colorado, you only pay taxes on a certain percentage of your property's value. And then the third part of that equation for determining your taxes is the mill levy which is determined by your local taxing districts. So your fire district, your school district, your library district, um, all the districts that you're, you're paying into. 
Lawmakers in Colorado are aware of the sharp increases hitting property owners across the state and are considering bills to cushion the taxes. Meanwhile, on the local level, officials have yet to determine how much money to take from their mill levies in the coming year and could even return some of that money to taxpayers. You know, because a lot of these entities are going to see a huge increase in value, and so they may opt to not collect on the entirety of that. Um, so, you know, we can we can estimate taxes based on what last year's mill levies were and this year's assessment rates, but we really have no idea what the mill levies um, will be and what taxing authorities will decide to do as far as um, cutting their mill levy or maintaining those. Enders encourages concerned residents to be informed and involved with their governing officials. Because ultimately they're the final step in that calculation of what your taxes are going to be. So when they're setting their budget, you know, make sure you have a voice in, you know, how, how those authorities are spending your money and um, how much they're, they're wanting to take out of this value. Residents are able to protest their valuations through June 8th if they feel the number is incorrect. Information on how to protest can be found at sanmiguelcountyco.gov under the Assessor's Department. The Telluride Regional Medical Center is rolling back its primary care for the next two months. For the month of um, May and through the end of June, we are not going to be seeing patients on a scheduled basis in our primary care clinic on Saturdays. That's Dr. Diana Colliker, Director of Emergency and Trauma Services at the Medical Center and Interim CEO. Generally, the Med Center has provided primary care services Monday through Saturday. And you know, it's, it's not a decision that we reached lightly. It was certainly something that um, we, um, we talked about from a, at a management standpoint a lot. But, you know, like many businesses in Telluride, we are struggling um, and dealing with staffing shortages. And it's, you know, staffing difficulties with our, our patient relations, our, our front desk staff, our um, primary care um, nurses and MAs, and, and our primary care providers. Um, so it's really across the board. Collicker says they made the decision to reduce the days to keep the care high when they are open. We're concentrating on having um, full and good staffing and, and appointment availability Monday through Friday. Dr. Collicker notes it's not an easy decision, but the right one for the time being. I've learned, you know, in my job as an emergency physician, I do this all the time. Now I've learned as I've stepped into this role as an administrator that we we have to triage things and we have to, you know, prioritize things that we have to keep being able to do um, and some other things that we would like to do, like have Saturday clinics. We have to put them on hold until we we have all the you know resources in place to be able to do it well. So it's it's hard when you have to make those kind of decisions, um, but that's where we are. The med center still wants to see all of its patients, Colliker says, but she adds individuals may need to think a little further ahead. You might have to start looking at you know what medicines need to be refilled um, a couple of days before you're going to run out of them. People need to recognize that 
maybe, you know, two or three years ago, they were used to calling and getting either a same-day appointment or a next-day appointment, that may be pushed out a little bit. And if we have one less day a week, um, even though that's just a handful of appointments, um, you know, you've just got to plan ahead and um, make sure that you're giving us enough time and you enough time to be able to connect and, and, you know, coordinate our schedules so that we can take care of you. The Telluride Regional Medical Center will provide primary care Monday through Friday for May and June. The emergency room will remain open 24-7. It's the final day of Colorado's General Assembly. This week on Capital Conversation, KOTO State House reporter Lucas Brady-Woods wraps up the legislative session. Hey, Lucas, thanks for taking a couple minutes to chat with me. Thanks for having me on this last day of the legislative session. Yes, it is the last day of the legislative session in Denver. Um, on, you know, as things wrap up, what are lawmakers still working on? There are still some big ticket items that are outstanding. The biggest one is this controversial land use measure that's backed by Governor Polis and a group of Democratic lawmakers. It's, it's kind of had a whiplash of a journey through the legislature. It started out as one of the some of the most sweeping land use reforms in Colorado history, and it would have implemented mandatory zoning for cities and towns across the state to increase housing density. Now, that was in when it when it started in the in the Senate. And as it made its way through the Senate to get enough support to pass, those were all stripped out and it really were basically left with what would have been just a task force to study housing issues across the state. Now, when it moved over to the House, a bunch of those provisions were put back in, albeit in a slightly more targeted way. And, and that's where the bill stands now. It's been approved by the House, and it's awaiting its final vote in the Senate. And the Senate has to approve the amendments that the House put back in. But it's not clear if the Senate has the votes to do that. It, you know, it's, it's been postponed and postponed for the last few days, over the weekend and and into today and you know rumblings are that the governor is looking at his options and i believe he is talking to democrats to try to whip up support for it and get it passed through because if the senate does not concur on these house amendments it is dead in the water have there been any um other big or interesting measures that have passed in the, the final days leading up to the close of the session Definitely. So lawmakers actually worked through the weekend, this past weekend, in order to get all the things done. And, you know, as of this morning, there were still 72 bills pending um, in both the House and the Senate. And some of these that have, that have been introduced and passed recently, last week, lawmakers moved forward with property tax relief measures because, you know, property valuations are in and they have increased a lot in most parts of the state. That means that people's property taxes next year are also going to spike, and that could be a really big problem. So lawmakers introduced some property tax relief measures to, to take care of that, which is something they had promised to do from the beginning of session, but it's taken really until almost the end of session for them to introduce it. And, and what those would do, they would lower people's property taxes uh, next year, and, and that's a, a bit of an issue because 
property taxes in Colorado pay for things like fire departments, ambulance services, things like that. And so what the what this measure includes is uh, it will take money out of the excess tax revenue that the state has. And, and that usually goes back to the taxpayers under the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, more commonly called TABOR. And, you know, so, so it's going to take some of those funds and send those to the local municipalities to help cover those differences that go to fire departments, ambulance services. And so that means that people will get lower TABOR refunds. And so what lawmakers have done to take care of that is introducing an even more last-minute bill, which was introduced on Saturday, which would mandate that TABOR refunds are the same level, the same amount for all Colorado tax filers. Before they introduced the bill, they were planning on going with the default system, which would actually vary the amount of TABOR refund that a person gets based on their income. So people who make more money would get bigger refunds. But this, this flat rate measure is actually meant to help lower income Coloradans and, and, and renters. This would help them because they won't be benefiting from the property tax relief measures. And in fact, they'll be paying into those property tax relief measures because they're getting less on their TABOR refunds. And so this flat rate measure will give lower-income Coloradans more money back in their pockets and make up for that. So the property tax relief measure will be on the ballot in November. Voters have to approve it. It'll be called Proposition HH. And if they approve that, then this flat rate TABOR measure goes into effect. So it's contingent on voters approving the property tax relief measures. It's it's a bit of a jumble, a bit of a complicated jumble, but I, I, I hope I laid it out in, in an okay fashion. Definitely. Um, You know, there's a lot of, as you just said, big things still happening in this final day, but it's got to be a little bit exciting around the Capitol as lawmakers are wrapping up. What is the the mood or the vibe for lawmakers and their staff as they, they finish up this 2023 legislative session? The closest analogy I can make is the last day of high school. Everybody's kind of you know, energized and giddy, but also exhausted. And I'd say the only difference between the last day of, of school and high school and this is that there's still a lot of work to be done here before midnight tonight. And that's when it really ends. It's called Cine Die, which is Latin, and 11.59 p.m. tonight. And it's the last time that any action can be taken. And once that passes, none of any bills that have not been passed are dead in the water. But that's not stopping lawmakers from having some fun today. They're barbecuing on the balcony outside the House chamber. You know, they're they're very talkative. They're, you know, feeling good about things, generally feeling collegial. Um, But, you know, not everything is, you know, rosy around here with some of these big ticket measures that are still going uh, or still pending votes, you know, mainly this giant land use bill, which is quite politically charged. Well, I know you have a lot of hours (laughs) still to go before you get a break, Um, but we will continue checking in with you as the year goes on. Obviously, the legislative session may wrap up, but there's still other things going on at the state and in Denver. So um, thank you, Lucas, for kind of leading us through this legislative session, and we'll definitely keep checking in with you as things progress. It's really my pleasure. I, I couldn't be happier to have covered this for 
all of the listeners at, out there in southwest Colorado and across the state. So really happy to keep you posted with all the things happening in the interim because We'll be reporting on the impacts of all these bills that have passed this session, which there are many. That was KOTO's Lucas Brady-Woods reporting from Denver. A number of prescribed burns are coming to the region. The Grand Mesa, Uncompagre, and Gunnison National Forests will be conducting prescribed burns across the forests this spring, starting in May and running through June as weather and conditions allow. According to the GMUG, the purpose of the burns is to reduce vegetation and thereby lower risk of large wildfires. It can also help improve wildlife habitat and ecosystem health and protect nearby private property from the spread of unplanned wildfires. Burns will take place across San Miguel County in the West End, including at Glencone Pine near Nucla, where 450 acres will be burned. Sanborn Park, five miles northeast of Norwood, will burn approximately 160 acres. Approximately 350 acres will be burned on Thunder Road, five miles southwest of Norwood. The GMUG will burn roughly 500 acres on the east side of Ed Joe Draw, 10 miles south of Norwood. And finally, the GMUG plans to burn approximately 650 acres at Horsefly, about 10 miles northeast of Norwood. The GMUG notes the prescribed fires will be conducted by trained fire managers, will only take place when conditions are safe, and fire managers will monitor the fires until it is deemed secure and patrol the burns until they are fully out. Young people growing up today face challenges that didn't even exist when their parents were their age. This week, the Wilkinson Public Library will be diving into Parenting the New Teen in its Parenting Book Club Teen Edition. The club will focus on the book Parenting the New Teen in the Age of Anxiety, a complete guide to your child's stressed, depressed, expanded, amazing adolescence by Dr. John Duffy. The book looks at the new teen, children growing up with social media, the internet, in addition to academic, social, and family stressors. The library notes, starting as early as eight years old, children are exposed to information, thought, and emotion they are developmentally unprepared to process. As a result, saving the typical teen parenting strategies for 13-year-olds is too late. The book club will be facilitated by local counselors Corinne Platt and Jim Riley. The parent book club will take place on Wednesday, May 10th from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. at the Wilkinson Public Library. Top water officials in Arizona are cautiously optimistic about Colorado River supplies this year. KUNC's Alex Hager has more. Much of Arizona's water comes from melted snow in the Rocky Mountains hundreds of miles away. There was a lot of that snow this winter, a positive change after a string of dry years. Arizona's water director Tom Bushatsky says conservation is still important for the nation's two largest reservoirs. We can be right back down into some serious uh, issues if we don't do the things we need to do to protect both Lake Powell uh, and Lake Mead. Bushatsky said negotiations about water cutbacks are still ongoing between the seven states that share the river's water, but said he wasn't ready to provide any updates. I'm Alex Hager. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low around freezing. 
Tuesday should be sunny during the day and mostly clear at night with a high near 60 degrees and a low in the mid-30s. Wednesday, there's a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms with mostly sunny skies and a high around 60. Wednesday night, there's a 40% chance of snow showers with mostly cloudy skies and a low around 30. This has been the news for Monday, May 8th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.